Good morning, everyone watching live on BAM YouTube. Let me know in the comments where you are tuning in from today. The hot sheet covers what you need to know about the real estate industry in a 24-hour time period. On today's hot sheet, I will discuss the top 25 mortgage lenders, the commercial real estate market, and Florida's affordable housing. Today is Thursday, April 6, 2023. I am Byron Lazine, and the hot sheet starts now. Thanks for joining in on this Thursday. It's my last day here in the Connecticut studio. I'll be back in the Naples studio tomorrow. Let me know where you're tuning in from and hit the thumbs up. Best way to support the show. Let's jump into the top 25 mortgage lenders. This data just came out from HMDA. Data shows which lenders originated the most loans in 2022. The list may shock you just a little bit. Rocket Mortgage hung on to its claim, reports Housing Wire from the HMDA data, as the nation's largest home lender in 2022 by the skin of their teeth. If you're an agent jumping into the live stream right now in the live chat, have you done a deal with Rocket this year or in 22? And what was your experience like? Okay. Have you done a deal with Rocket? And what's your experience look like with them? According to Home Mortgage Disclosure Act, HMDA, data collected, uh, collated by mortgage data firm I Emigrant Rocket originated $127.58 billion in home loans in 2022, edging out the rival United Wholesale Mortgage by about $63.5 million, less than a day's worth of business. Wow. Interesting. Data collected by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau includes one to four families, all occupancy, originated loans, first and second lien included. Okay. It does not include correspondent or multifamily loans. Per the HMDA data, Rocket appears to have edged United Wholesale Mortgage in volume because it offers the home improvement loans. Not everybody will offer one of those, where UWM does not, according to. Uh, this analysis, Rocket originated $1 billion in home improvement loans in 2022. Love to know if you have an experience with Rocket from this year or going back to 2022. Wells Fargo placed third in home lending leaderboard in terms of volume. That's what's surprising to me because we know that in 2022, Wells Fargo basically stopped their mortgage business outside of their top wealthy clients and underserved communities, right? Wells Fargo is not going to buy loans and, and originate loans. You know, if you're banking with somebody else, uh, you're not going to be able to go and just get a Wells Fargo loan. Yet they were third in the home lending leaderboard in 2022. So why did they give up that end of their business? Their margins must have been extremely tight to give up that revenue source of lending homes, uh, lending loans rather to homeowners. Rounding out the top five in volume were JP Morgan Chase at $54.25 billion, uh, Bank of America at $52.6 billion across 121,000 loans, and Loan Depot, Loan Depot, I like to say the Depot, originated $52.53 billion across 156,000 loans. Let's take a look at the entire list. Uh, that we'll drop this down below in the daily download link. If you grab that once, you'll have it. 
every single day. It'll automatically get sent to you from every hot sheet. And this particular table is in the Housing Wire article I'm referencing here today. Okay, so uh, you see Rocket Mortgage there at the top. They rank number one for all loans and for all loan dollars. United Shore Financial Service, Loan Depot. Wells Fargo was number three in dollars, but number four in total loans. You've got Fairway Independent Corporation, Bank of America, U.S. National Bank. Uh, and, and this list here that we're reading from is all loans, okay, down below um, ranks 14 through 15. But you see on the left and what they have these actually listed out is all loans. And then on the right, you can see the rankings for dollars, which flip around a little bit. Uh, so in terms of total loans, U.S. National Bank comes in after Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, PNC, Citizens, Cross Country at 11. Cross Country was 11th for total loans and 11th for loan dollars. I know a lot of agents that use Cross Country. Love to know from you if uh, that's your banking partner. Caliber Home Loans and Guaranteed Rate uh, for the top 13. Then you go to Mortgage Research Center, LLC, 14, Penny Mac, 15. Nation Star, Navy Federal Credit Union, Movement Mortgage, the Huntington National Bank, Truist Bank, Freedom Mortgage Corporation. So Truist, that's like a regional bank. There's some regionals on here. Citizens um, would be would be considered that. And so we know we know what's been going on with regional banks. So interesting to see how many loans that they're producing uh, in 2022. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, Home Point Financial, Flagstar, Guild, and DHI Mortgage Company. Who's not on this list? Uh, you know. Zillow's not on this list, right? Um, they're they're going to be coming for some mortgage, um, some some mortgage deals here. So uh, a lot of opportunity for people. Wells Fargo certainly won't be on the list next year. It doesn't seem as they've you know shut down a lot of their mortgage business, being number three in total loans for Wells Fargo, or number four rather for total loans, and number three in total dollars for Wells Fargo. And then sh to shut that down uh, tells you how tight. How competitive, you know how how the margin is shrinking for these guys right now, um, for them to go and do that super eye opening, and and there you go. You can grab that table down below. That is your top twenty five list for home loans made in two thousand twenty two. If you're interested in that, and love to know from you if you're watching the replay who your banking partner is and if you've banked or if you, uh, who your lender partner is, if you're an agent and what experience you've had uh, specifically with rocket who came in number one on the top loans and uh, top loans in dollars. If you have any uh, past experience there in the last year, year and a half mortgage applications yesterday, just for a little bit more news on mortgage applications did decrease 4.1% from one week earlier. Uh, I, I would imagine that this week, we saw stability in the mortgage rate between 6.5 to 6.6 last week. I would imagine that this week with it dropping significantly, we're going to get to it at the end of the show, could be even, we could have a really good juicy number today at the end of the day for the 30-year fixed, that this will be back up next week. So next week, when we look back at this week, we should see mortgage applications increase. Uh, this is typically the time of year that we do, so the decrease was a little bit surprising. A 4.1 decrease last week from one week earlier, according to Mortgage Bankers Association. Uh, spring has officially arrived, but the housing market is missing this customary burst in listings and purchase activity uh, that typically mark the season. After four weeks of increasing purchase application volume declined 
uh, a bit this week with another small drop in mortgage rates. Okay, so uh, the refinance mortgage activity decreased, uh, but that that has kind of been shuttered down to almost nothing anyway. But it continues to decrease. FHA share of total applications decreased to twelve percent from twelve point three percent the week prior. Okay, so that cleans up mortgage. Let's jump in and look at commercial banking. I've talked about this a little bit last week that we were going to jump into this. Um, and here is the day. Let's jump into commercial defaults. Defaults and vacancies are on the rise at high-end office buildings, which is interesting. Okay, uh, If you look at this chart right here from Wall Street Journal, you see Class A, it occupied spaces up and you know, class B and C is way down. So index measuring the amount of occupied office space by class. But you do see that class A now, as we move into 2023, is starting to decline. Okay. Interesting. Uh, for much of the pandemic, buildings with central locations that feature modern amenities fared better than their less pricey peers. People wanted new. They wanted a great location if they were going to go into the office. Some of those, you know, B and C office buildings took the hardest hits. Like, why am I going to go back to that when, when I can just work in the comforts of my own home? Now, these so-called class A properties who rents generally fall into city's top quartile are increasingly coming under pressure. So brand new buildings, brand new office parks, uh, you know, brand, brand new offices, would, would fit this class A category. The amount of U.S. class A office space in central business di districts that is leased fell in the fourth quarter, though, of 2022 for the first time since 21. According to Moody's, the owners of a number of high-end properties recently defaulted on their mortgages, highlighting the financial strain from rising interest rates and vacancies. Now, this... Uh, number right here might just blow your mind. This is uh, a tweet. Over the next five years, more than two and a half trillion in commercial debt will mature. This is by far more than any five-year period in history. Okay. You know, obviously rates have doubled. Commercial real estate uh, is only 60 to 70% occupied. Okay. Refinancing these loans is going to be expensive because when they got the loan, it was less than where the interest rate is right now. 70% of commercial real estate loans are owned by small banks. So we're not necessarily out of the woods on this banking crisis as these loans mature. And if the, if the numbers don't work, we're seeing rents drop. That data is going to be reflective in the inflation data here pretty soon. So rents are dropping in a lot of parts of the country right now. If rents continue to drop because of the supply that's coming to the market this year, the multifamily supply, and then these loans become due and they're going to these regional banks, 70% of commercial loans are owned by small banks, uh, and the numbers don't work on the refi, this could create uh, some more uh, you know, uncertainty, to say the least, on the banks. So $2.5 trillion commercial real estate debt too mature. If you're advising somebody on commercial right now, uh, you can see that we'll go back to the chart here from, from Wall Street Journal. You can see where they shouldn't be investing unless they're getting it you know, at an absolute steal. Shouldn't be investing in B and C office space. 
that's for sure, right? Class B and C is this gray line, uh, which you see the amount of occupied space is uh, sinking so much quicker than Class A. So you want that good Class A space. It's kind of like buying a home, location, location, location. You want the best of the best, the best location, the best product, the best new build, all of that. So Class uh, A would be your spot if you're looking at commercial and office. I actually like the small little walkable downtowns where you know there's always going to be a vibrant shopping experience if you're investing into uh, commercial today. But obviously with the uncertainty of the banks and just the uncertainty of that product overall becomes very risky. Uh, risk that um, Florida's betting on to continue to put them as the most attractive state in the nation in terms of inbound migration is a $711 million bet. Florida $700 million affordable housing bill now becomes law. It aims to incentivize developers of affordable workforce housing with tax, break, tax breaks and zoning workarounds. And that that is the big one. Zoning workarounds is going to help builders being able to build a product that can fit into the affordable housing category. A lot of, you know, let's call it what it is, a lot of local governments, a lot of counties, a, a lot of politicians will go out there and say, we need more affordable housing, but we don't see many of them taking action. Well, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, did just that. This is reading from the real deal. He signed affordable housing legislation that will pump $700 million, $711 million into housing programs and incentivize developers with major tax breaks. When you give a developer a tax break, when you give them zoning loosenings, uh, that's when they're able to build a product that can fit under that affordable uh, threshold. DeSantis signed Senate Bill 102, known as Live Local Act, on Wednesday of last week, days after the legislation passed in the Florida House of Representatives. In addition to setting aside funds for affordable housing, the law will supersede local government's zoning, density, and height requirements for affordable housing in areas zoned for commercial or mixed-use development. It also strips local municipalities' ability to enact rent control, which was previously only possible during a housing emergency. I don't like a, a couple things here, that it sounds like it'll be uh, a little bit easier to just continue to build multi-family because that's just, just going to put people in the renters. I, I'd love to see some, some stern language in this bill on building housing for sale. Okay. Because if we just throw up more apartments, that's not going to get anybody in a position to start growing their wealth, start really, um, you know, taking care of their, their future and their family's future developers of affordable housing do and to a certain extent, those with mixed-use product uh, projects will likely take advantage of the new law, of course, with the tax breaks. Attorney uh, Keith Palaka of, of uh, Fort Lauderdale-based government law group previously told Real Deal takes a lot of the handcuffs off of affordable housing developers. Okay, so uh, this is this is what um, this is what I don't like about uh, you know. Listen, any bill for affordable housing is a positive, but then here are the negatives to me. Local governments would be required to allow multifamily or mixed-use residential pro projects that set aside at least 40% of the residential component for affordable housing for a period of at least 30 years. But they said multifamily. 
or mixed-use residential projects. If they would have said required to allow mixed-use residential projects that are residential units for sale at affordable pricing for at least 40% of the residential component for this affordable housing for a period of at least 30 years, that means that 40% is going to go on the resale market, not on the rental market. Okay, so I don't like the or being multifamily or mixed-use residential projects. I like no multifamily in there uh, and putting out homes, units, apartments that are for sale where you have ownership in those units as opposed to a rental agreement that further you know, projects renter nation onto this country. So uh, overall good because there will be some that go and do, you know, Hey, if you, if you can go and build condos and 40% of them are going to be affordable and you sell 60% as a developer, some of them are going to make that decision for their business to, you know, go ahead and build and sell, which will create some inventory. But, but I would like to get away from creating tax breaks for multifamily for, for rentals. I, I, I'm not a big proponent of making it easier, um, for rent. I want to make it easier for someone to have ownership at an affordable rate, um, and I get it. We we need we we still if people have to rent, we do need some affordable rent. So I'm not trying to stop that, but uh, I'd love to see a bigger play, a bigger bet on housing that people can purchase uh, for projects allocating at least 65 percent of the square footage to residential. A county would not be able to restrict the height of a proposed development below what's currently allowed within one mile of the planned project. The 700 million. Uh, could also help fill funding gaps that have resulted in stalled projects across the state. South Florida became one of the least affordable housing markets in the country last year following large gains. So let me know what you think down below if you're watching the replay or if you're here in the live chat about this act. And uh, have has your state done anything thus far to uh, enact affordable housing uh, legislation to help with this problem. Okay. Uh, it also increases the amount of tax credits available through the community contribution tax program for affordable housing to 20, 25 million annually from 14 and a half million where it previously was. And DeSantis's buddy is also playing in the affordable housing game. Walt Disney world, his, his, uh, his friend over there in Orlando plans 1300 affordable housing units in Florida. Pretty vague though, on if these units are going to be rentals, uh, for their um, for their workers, or if they are going to be units that they actually sell and let their employees have ownership in them, the Walt Disney Company has announced its plan to build 1,300 affordable housing for workers at its Walt Disney World Florida theme park. So, a couple things happening here in Florida, where I will be heading back tomorrow on affordable housing. The real estate company Michaels organization will work with developer for the 32HA site, which looks like this which will be close to schools and the Flamingo Crossings Town Center. The project will be privately financed to applicants with a certain income range. Uh, you can see here Flamingo Crossing Town Center at the bottom, Epcot to the right, Mag Magic Kingdom to the north, and the development site is west of the Magic Kingdom, more, uh, I guess you would say, southwest of where Magic Kingdom sits. So very drivable to all of the parks for employees and uh they don't they don't get into when they're going to start so they're vague on that 
and they're also vague on uh, you know, if these are going to be rentals or if they're going to actually sell these units to their employees. I would imagine if they're going to sell these units to these employees and then they go to get on the job, there might be some restrictions there. So it, it sounds like it's probably going to be probably going to be rentals if if I had to if I had to guess, which okay, that's nice getting you know, some of your employees an affordable rent. Uh, but again, doesn't solve the problem of the, that gap of 44x more wealthy versus, uh, you know, homeowner versus renter. So it doesn't help their long term, uh, you know, wealth planning. Okay. If you're planning on producing some content this year, don't enact that plan without downloading the video gear for every budget ebook. It's free down below. It's your guide for the best video setup options, no matter how big or small your budget is. We've done the work for you and put it all together in this ebook. You can grab that down below for completely free video gear for every single budget. Also later today at 5 p.m. premiering on the channel, make sure you subscribe. We've got the uh, we've got the walkthrough podcast today at five. And let's take a look at where the 10 year is today. We had great news on the 30 year fixed yesterday. We want to continue to rally downward and it looks like we are ticking down a little bit here on the 10 year we're back down below 3.3 okay back down below we've been we've been operating on a uh you know a six or, I mean, i'm sorry we've been operating on a three percent spread historically a two percent spread but what we've seen this week is that three percent spread is starting to reduce under three percent i'm talking about the spread from the 10 year to the 30 year if we get closer to two percent spread we could be in the fives on the 30 year. Well, what did yesterday's 30 year finish out at? Yesterday's 30 year finished at 6.16. So we're within that 3%, that abnormal 3% spread that we've been seeing the last year on the 10 year to the 30 year. Maybe we're getting back to the historical norm of a 2% spread between the 10 year and the 30 year. Maybe we're inching closer to that. As the 10 years down today, do we have a possibility of hitting 599 again? We hit it one day this year. We're very close to it at 6.16. This is great news. I'm hearing lenders that are locking people in, in the mid fives right now that have great credit. There's opportunities to do point buy downs and get into the low fives, uh, but certainly 6% seems feasible for very strong credit without buying points. And the national average ended at 6.16, and we could potentially see that get closer to six or maybe even, maybe even below six and if we if we got to if we got to six listen one year ago from today we had hit five percent one year ago today we hit five percent for the first time we'd be just one percent off of that number if we got to six percent okay so maybe we're getting to a place where we have some more stability in this 30 year uh in the 30 year fixed and in this spring market when we need it the most when the majority of the home shoppers are going to transact. That is all for today. Hope you really enjoyed it. And I'll see you back when uh, when I'm back in Naples tomorrow, live at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Until then, toodaloo.